We're just going to be reading from Isaiah 42 in just a few minutes, friends, as we uh, kick off every week, every day this week at 10 a.m., one of our, our team are going to share some scripture with us and get us all prepped for Good Friday gatherings and our Easter Saturday and Sunday gatherings. Yeah, just a gorgeous day. Great way to start Easter week, isn't it? It's going to be exciting week. Can't wait. Okay, well, let, let's get started. And we're going to be reading, as I mentioned, if you just joined, Isaiah 42. I'm going to be reading from the message version. And of course, Isaiah, just a little background on him. Um, many of you would know he's a prophet in the Old Testament part of the book. There's a, there's a, a whole book written uh, that he wrote, an oracle from God. And it's interesting, it's divided into three sections, this book. The first 35 chapters, Isaiah's really talking to his contemporaries. He's talking to Judah at that time that was powerful, wealthy, it's influential. And, and kind of, if you read those first 35 chapters, they're living in a spiritually decadent time in their, in their, in their life. And then there's a bridge, uh, chapters 36 to 39, and it's bridges between the contemporary to the future where it gets more, much more into the prophetic because the last number of chapters, 40 to 66, a couple of cool things that happen there. First off, uh, in 40 to 66, uh, the prophet Isaiah predicts the Babylonian captivity that would happen about 100, 130 years after he prophesies that would happen. But more importantly, and especially what we're focused in on, these are, those chapters contain all of these great messianic prophetic texts that talked of a servant. And Isaiah often calls Jesus a servant and because he came to serve, not to be served. Remember he would say that later when he walked this earth in the gospels, I came to serve, not to be served. So in those chapters, he highlights the coming of a savior. So let's pick it up. We're gonna read the first four verses from Isaiah 42. I'm gonna read from the message version this morning because I, I love how the message version kind of brings things into a, a contemporary experience. So here's what he says. He starts out with this, this sentence that I'm gonna pause on. He says, take a good look at my servant. And that's what Easter week is for. You know, when you celebrate a birthday in your house of your child or a spouse or a friend or a brother or sister, it's not that you didn't notice them all the other days of the year, it's that you're really taking an extra opportunity to look at them. And thank God for them. Thank God for who they've been. Thank God for who they are. And you're wishing them a great future too in that moment. Well, in this prophetic text, Isaiah, you know, uh, echoing the words of God is saying, take a good look at him. And Easter week is a chance to pause and to gaze on the person of Jesus, to, to consider him at a deeper level. To pause and consider things that we've read maybe and heard in the past, but allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate them to our hearts. So he goes on to say, take a good look at my servant. I'm backing him to the hilt. He's the one I choose. And he, again, it's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And I couldn't be more pleased with him. And I love that little text because that reminds us of when Jesus was baptized. Remember the, the word the father spoke over Jesus when he was being baptized, when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, I don't know if we often think about the pleasure that God had in his son Jesus, but also the pleasure he takes in us. Now, the Easter story often and understandably so 
we, we focus on how it's benefited us, how Jesus' death and resurrection has benefited us, how his victory has become our victory, which is, of course, a great focal point of Easter. But sometimes we can overlook, really, the loss of Easter, that this connection between God at the Father and his son Jesus was broken in that moment. Uh, and so on the cross, Jesus quotes Psalm 22, famous psalm. And in it, it's written by David. And Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Someone he's had this intimate connection with. Someone that has spoken his pleasure over his life. All of a sudden, he feels a turning away. And if you read Psalm 22, it's packed with really a, a, a messianic type foretelling of what would happen to Jesus, right down to the gambling over his clothes and everything else. But David speaks these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because his enemies are mocking him. He had declared to everyone that he had put his trust in God, that God would be his deliverer. And all of a sudden he's feeling like, where are you, God? Where are you? And so David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross, Jesus says the same thing. The Gospel of Matthew and Mark record the people mocking Jesus on the cross. That if God loved you so much, where is he now? <laughs> you know, you can save others, but you can't save yourself. See, in that moment, Jesus is losing something. He's losing this intimate connection. Our sin being heaped on his shoulder is causing a separation, a forsaking. There's a sacrifice taking place here. Of course, Good Friday and pausing on Good Friday reminds us to, to really evaluate the cost. Then it goes on to say this, it, Prophet Isaiah continues in verse 2. He says, I bathed him with the Spirit, with my Spirit, my life. He'll set everything right among the nations. He won't call attention to what he does with loud speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt, and he won't disregard the small and the insignificant, but he'll steadily and firmly set things right. Friends, everyone powerful in Jesus' day paraded their wealth in front of others, paraded their power and their strength in front of others. Uh, they would never associate with the weak or the sick because often the weak and the sick were seen to be cursed by God. They would never have anything to do with the small or the insignificant because that would make them seem weak before others. But Jesus is upside down kingdom. He's the exact opposite. He fully engages with the weak, the oppressed, the marginalized, the small, the insignificant. And he is, he is doing what the powers of the earth weren't prepared to do in his day. But did you catch that phrase? He'll steadily and firmly set things right. Jesus is not weak. He's not weak. He's so strong and he's so powerful that he's willing and able to give away his power. He gives away his significance. He gives away his standing to everyone he interacts with. This is one of the great things we love about the person of Jesus. When he interacted with women, he lifted them up. He elevated them. The marginalized, the oppressed, those that are, are, are feeling like they'll never be able to get close to God. And again, he gives away his power to, the, to those who need healing. He gives away his standing and significance. He notices people that the poor or the rich and powerful of his age would never have taken their time with. And he goes on to say this. 
He won't tire out and quit. He won't be stopped. Uh, this is a week of celebration of the fact that Jesus could not be stopped. He couldn't be stopped and he wouldn't be stopped until his, his finished work is done to set things right on earth. And Isaiah ends out in verse four, he says, far flung ocean islands wait expectantly for this teaching. Friends, I don't know what you're expecting out of this week or out of the Easter weekend, but I hope you pause and you reflect on Jesus and you allow the significance of who he is to flood your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Let me pray for you. Most dear Jesus, God, we thank you for all that you did for us through your son, Jesus. He suffered pain and he entered into his glory, but first he was crucified for all. Help us, Lord, as we walk towards the cross this week to find meaning, to find life and peace. And help us, God, as the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 42, verse 4, as islands and distant people, and some of those distant people are right around us, wait expectantly for this teaching. We pray, God, that you'd help us to be invitational in the way we posture our hearts so that others can join in to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, and to know Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen.